So welcome to the podcast. That's where you will hear it on your iPhone in from iTunes or your Android from Google Play. Just want to remind you that I did post number 206 yesterday. Got it in a little late, but I wanted you to be able to hear from Jamar. He did a great job last week um, coaching and answering the questions that Dick was asking as a new agent uh, and helping him to be successful. I want to remind all of you that our book for the month of September is The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy. We do recommend purchasing it as opposed to getting it at the library. We, this is a book that you're going to want to highlight, dog ear, leave little sticky notes, whatever, but it is a great book for basics, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, Dick, is basics. It is, Connie, and I want to remind everybody uh, to to just reemphasize the Elite Producer call on Saturday morning. You can go back when you look at the opportunity to learn sales. On rare occasions, do organizations allow you to hear somebody like a Brandon Hall or some of the other Elite Producers because, you know, they weren't always good. I mean, this is a learned skill. And I had a great conversation with Lane two days ago. I went through, we were strategizing a case. And I went through the two or three steps that led up to the question to learn to sell, which is what prompted today's call. And uh, it was it was the type of thing that you, I mean, you can hear it and hear it and hear it. But understanding the opportunity you have listening on that Saturday call, guys, it's really quite inc- incredible to be able to go back and listen to that. I'm reminded every time an agent calls me or I hear about a call like this, elite producer call, when I first got into sales, I remember a picture of this general fighting an Indian battle. And there's some guy standing there wanting to have an appointment with him, and he's selling Gatling guns. And in the deal, and the and, and the general, um, his comment was, "I don't have time to talk to some salesman right now. I've got a battle." It was Sherman at the last stand, is what they were trying to portray, you know. And this guy's trying to sell him a Gatling gun, which would have changed everything. But the point was. Our clients have needs many times that they don't know, and it's our job to do that. And we're in a position here to learn the skill set to be able to help the client. And that Saturday call is one of those. So I, I did want to cover a couple things before I get into my main text today is things we need to prepare to do before we, we get on the phone. And I'm not talking about spending hours and hours and hours and days and days and days in prep. I believe in jumping in the pool to learn how to swim. you know. But there are a couple small things that we can do that will make a difference. The first thing is <coughs> most of the carriers cover how to do an e-app. And you can do a tutorial through that, literally practicing placing an app. You just don't turn it in because it's a tutorial. But you can go through that thing with every question. When you go through it, it won't let you go to the next question until you answer the previous one. So it gives you a feel for what's there. And it also gives you a feel for what those questions are because you don't want to look like or sound like the deer in the headlights when you get on the phone with a client. So go through those several times and become familiar with them. Second thing is, you know, print off a paper app. 
print that paper app off and fill it out as a John Doe client. And when you get to those questions, because this will also help you with the um, e-apps as well. But when you get to those, when you get finished with a page, highlight the questions you don't know the answers to. Most people don't understand what modal premium is. So that will mess a lot of them up. Well, the modal premium is what the premium is. But some of the companies ask, what is your base premium, which is the cost of the insurance, and what are the cost of the riders? So you have to figure that out and know before you do the app. So, you know, this all works out for your um, your training. It just gives you that a better feeling of confidence when you get on the call. When you do the paper app, any pay, any blanks that you don't know the answer to, that's when you call for help. So we can help you walk through that. Uh, on the whole life policies for final expense, one of the questions, and you always want to answer this one yes, is do you want automatic premium? And the answer is yes. And the reason uh, you want that is if a senior, and that happens a lot, um, they'll miss a payment. Well, if you didn't, uh, automatic loan is what it's called. But at any rate, if you miss that payment, they won't draft it next month. And a lot of times with seniors, it'll go two or three or four months or six months before they ever discover it. Well, if their health has changed, they're done. They cannot get that thing reinstated because it lapses in 31 days versus if they take that yeah, automatic loan, then they'll take that payment out of the cash it's in the policy. But next month when it's time to draft, it'll automatically draft again so it doesn't stop the flow of things and the client doesn't run the risk of losing their coverage. Um, so those are the kind of things that, you know, become familiar with. But what I wanted to go over today is, you know, uh, some questions. What First is, what do we know about our clients? You know, because I think that's an important thing for each of us to realize, you know, what do you know about your clients? Well, understanding that and realizing the impact that we can have on these people. The second question is, you know, let's avoid asking knee-jerk responses. And the third thing today I wanted to cover is little pain, uh, not understanding the pain without mortgage protection usually leads to no sale or a much lower premium. And then also, after we get the appointment, how do we tie it down? And we've talked about this in the past, but these are things I think will help you um, uh, today on a nuts and bolts case. For example, what do we know about our mortgage protection clients? Um, well, one thing we know is... Um, the, that they have between 1% and 2% of the mortgage amount as discretionary income. Uh, well, what does that mean? If they've got a $200,000 mortgage, we know if they've closed it in the last month or two, we know that they have between 1% and 2% of $200,000 that they can spend on pretty much on whatever they want. That's 2000 to $3,000 a year. So that's $180 to $250 a month. Now, most people have more than that, but the bank is not going to give them the loan because of their debt-to-income ratio if they don't have at least 1% to 2% of that amount. In most cases, guys, it's 3%. 
So 3% of $200,000 is $6,000 a year or $500 a month. That's a much more accurate figure that they have. Now, that's why sometimes when people buy a new home, they refinance, they now have enough money to go out and buy a four or $500 a month car payment. All right, these are things we need to know. So when people start talking, I don't have the money, well, the things that may have gotten to them before you did are Kim Lawn and the security systems. They all, you got a new house, a lot of times they want some new furniture. So there are other things vying for that money, but we have to help them understand the reality of what's most important here. Yes, it is nice to have a new flat screen TV in the family room. I mean, you got a new home, you want to you want to take advantage of that that new area. And yes, you want some new furniture, but God forbid John didn't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack. What good is that TV? What good is that new furniture? So it's our job to kind of help them sort through this situation and use that money to their best interest and use it wisely. But understanding that the debt-to-income ratio, see, if you understand that, then it makes you a little more suspect and a little less vulnerable to fall for that we can't afford it, okay? Just so, now you got to be cautious and coy about this. You have to be discretionary in terms of helping, but understand the money was there if someone else hasn't gotten it already. Um, the other thing is, if they only acknowledge or realize there's a little bit of pain if the breadwinner doesn't come on because of a car wreck or, or a heart attack, see, it's our job to help them see what life looks like for the family without mortgage protection. See, many people never give that much thought because how many people get up that day thinking, well, I might die today? None of us do. That's not on our priority list. But the reality of it is, guys, it happens every day. You know, people are killed in car wrecks. People have heart attacks. If you've ever talked to somebody that had a heart attack, I was talking to one of our agents the other day that had one, and the last thing on his agenda that day was having a heart attack. But it happened. So these are things that we we have to not beat them with a club, but just point out things happen. And if that does happen, what's what does life look like? See? Now, when when you hear me talking about this, and I know some of you, it's a little uncomfortable, but if you haven't done it yet, because we got a bunch of new people on here today, if you haven't done it yet, you will in the next few months talk to a widow. And uh, before long, you're going to find out how much they wish they had gotten mortgage protection <clears throat> before John had the heart attack, before John died unexpectedly. And... That probably will do more to solidify your career in life insurance agents than anything. The next thing, because that happens more frequently, the next thing that will solidify that is you get a call from one of your clients who is now a widow. See, when those calls come in and you realize just the impact that what you did for them, how it's going to protect the family, that makes a huge difference in 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 our career now it's our job to find a payment that fits their needs you know uh, everybody i mean stop and think about it how many of you have been on the phone talk to an 80 year old 
and an 80-year-old wants enough life insurance to cover the mortgage, or even a 70-year-old, or even a 65-year-old. That's what they think mortgage protection is. Well, we have trained on this time and time and time again. Sometimes mortgage protection is give the family enough money to make five years worth of house payments, you know, if they're younger, and all they can afford is, say, $30 a month. And that amount of premium will buy them $50,000 of, of insurance. And if they've got a $50,000 or $1,000 a month payment, that gives them four-plus years of payments that they can make payments on the house and not have to worry about moving. Well, in that case, guys, that's mortgage protection. Because what what is mortgage protection? It's a plan to do one of two things. The first thing is if they're young enough, it's a plan to keep the family in the home as long as possible so that the kids don't have to move and change schools. Look how many children that have been left with one parent. And when dad dies, a lot of times they lose their mother too, not due to a death, but they lose her to a second and a third job. Many times they have to move to a different neighborhood. The kids get new friends, and sometimes that doesn't fare so well. So it's our job to put them in a position to stay in that house as long as possible. The goal is, is the ultimate goal isn't really to pay the mortgage off. I mean, if they're young enough and can afford it, yes, that is the ultimate goal. But ideally, if we can at least pay that mortgage down to the point that the new payment when they refinance is less than rent. See, guys, you've done a a major, major job just doing that. And then, of course, with some of our older clients, we're trying to protect the equity at home. You know, give them enough money to make the house payment for six months or a year or even three months, but try not to get hung up on when we talk about six months, the letter of the law kills. You know, let's give them a payment. And if that payment amount fits their budget and it only makes three house payments, that gives the family 90 days to get that house sold so they don't have to accept the lowest ridiculous offer that comes in. And I don't literally want to know how much the payment is and then figure the face amount. Because if they say, well, I want six payments, and six payments is $12,000, and they can only afford eight, then there's no sale there. So talk in terms of a concept sale in this rather than letter of the law because we are trying to protect the equity in the home, okay? So, you know, just understanding what we know about our clients and how we can help them. The second question we talked about is try to avoid knee-jerk responses, uh, questions. And we've all experienced this. In the retailing business, we walk into a store. What's the first sale question a salesperson asks you? May I help you? And what's your response 99% of the time? No, I'm just looking. And Connie and I were trying to buy a car the other day. And um, the guy came out, what are you looking for? We told him, um, a better question that he could have asked. Now, this guy and his manager did a phenomenal job at connecting with us. I mean, they had us laughing about other things. You know, they really did a good job. But he still started off with a knee-jerk 
question. It was a pretty good one. It wasn't totally out of line, but it was pretty good. You know, so in in our business, uh, you know, a knee-jerk question could be, are you still interested? That can produce a response, well, we've taken care of that. Uh, Most of the time, you know, that's not the case. They really haven't taken care of it. They just don't know. They just don't want an additional bill, and they can only think of covering the entire mortgage, and the previous agent quoted them, quotes that were way too high. You know, you never know when they've been quoted two or three or $400 a month. Mm-hmm. So when you ask that question, if they've had that experience in the past, um, you run the risk of having a knee-jerk response, and then then the rock, the rock, you're trying to roll this rock up the hill, and it just rolled back on you and crushed you. So let's try to think in terms of how can we ask some questions that don't prompt a knee jerk. All right, so what, one of the ways we do that is before we ask the question pertaining to their level of interest, let's preface it with something like this. You know, we provide solutions to help families stay in their home following the worst day of their life. Is that something that's still important to you? Well, how do you answer that question if you're a customer? Well, yes, it's still important to me. I mean, what kind of a person would say, no, it's not? You know, so you ask the question. I'll never forget. I used to tease my, my, my youngest son when he was 10. I asked him one time, I said, Adam, I said, did you ever kiss a girl as long as you wanted? And he looked, oh, I know, Dad. I, I No, I never did that. And I said, I laughed. I said, well, why did you stop? And he realized because I used to ask him questions like that that would put him in a position that I won. Well, guys, we kind of need to do that with our clients. So, you know, um, if we ask the client, is that something that's still important to you? If they say no, move on. You know, just move on. It's okay. Everybody's not going to buy. But if they say yes, and usually they'll say yes, it is, how much does it cost? Well, your response at that point in time is now we've got their mind open. I remember Harry Green, one of my agents, early on doing this. He said, you have to get people's mind in neutral because when we call them to set an appointment and they realize we're trying to sell them something, their mind is in reverse. Well, you can't go from reverse to forward without tearing out the transmission. So Harry was always talking about you got to get their mind out of reverse into neutral before you can put it into drive. And, guys, that's a very, very true statement and a concept that we're really dealing with right now. So you're, if they say, yes, how much is it? Well, I need a little more information to see what you qualify for. Do you have just a moment? See, when I asked that question, is that something that's still important to you, when they said yes, what just happened? Their mind moved from reverse into neutral. I need a little more information to see what you qualify for. Do you have just a moment? When I get a yes to that question, guys, their their mind just went into forward, into drive. So now we're in a position to move forward with what we are looking at. Now, A lot of times you'll hear a response, well, we're not interested now. I understand that, and that's why I'm calling. Most plans don't have a foreclosure protection uh, benefit option. If you were protected from foreclosure due to an illness, would that be important to you? 
See, there's the question that tries to get them from the comment most plans don't have foreclosure protection. If they buy into the fact that they're listening to you, you just move their mind from reverse to neutral. And then when you ask that question, is that something that would be important to you? Well, what do you mean? Because they don't know what foreclosure protection is. That's a fair question on their part. In fact, it's a question you hope they ask because that allows you to engage them and put their mind into uh, drive or into uh, forward there. Well, I need a little more information to see what you qualify for. Do you have just a moment? See, these are all ways that we can go from reverse neutral into drive. You know, now I made the comment when we first started the third item on the list today was if there's little or no pain without mortgage protection, there's probably not going to be a sale. So understanding what the little pain is, that less likely that they're going to buy anything, well, telling the client all the benefits that they have or they lose without having mortgage protection, you know, if you don't determine what is important to them, Basically, when you're telling them all of this information, that makes you a very, very good professional visitor. But professional visitors don't make very much money. Salesmen do. All right, so an example, well, you know, you start off the conversation with this. Our plan pays off your mortgage or pays down the mortgage so low that the refinanced new payment is less than rent, and it's only $80 a month. If I was the client, I'd be thinking, so what? I haven't seen any value yet. Why not? Because I haven't seen my pain on how that solves my solution. And uh, and when you got to stop and think about, as the client from the client's perspective, who wants another payment, especially an eighty dollar a month payment for something they don't think they're going to ever need? They haven't seen the pain without it yet. You know, when you're trying to sell somebody a car, you know, the idea of not getting the car and having to ride a bicycle, holy cow, how much is this car? You know, because I don't want to go back riding a bicycle or a scooter or something. All right, so let's preface that same concept with this. If John didn't make it home next week because of a car wreck or a heart attack, how would you make the mortgage payment? Well, I couldn't. How do you feel about that? Well, not good. What are we doing? We're moving their mind from reverse into neutral. Well, I wouldn't feel good about that. If for some reason I'm not able to help you, do you have a plan B to keep you in this home? Guys, when they say no to that, you know, I need a little more information to see what you qualify for. Do you have just a moment? See, these are ways of taking the client's real-life situation. Because, guys, who wants to spend time talking to a salesperson? None of us. I mean, that's not something we're looking forward to, okay? Now, once you've set the appointment, we've talked about this quite a bit, but I think it's important that we continue doing it because I I hear people having problems with people not keeping the appointment. Uh, You set the appointment. Your, Your question is this. Now, what time did we say? 2.30, and most agents, this is where you should not go. But this is the knee-jerk reaction the agent has. Well, is there any reason you can think of 
that you won't be able to will keep you from keeping this appointment. I'm really busy, and I have a lot of people to see. If you notice right here, it's all about you. Do the clients care about you? Eh, not so much. They care more about themselves. So let's let's look at it from the standpoint of let's make that same concept you're trying to convey here, but let's make it about the client, not about the agent. Okay, now, John and Mary, what time did we say the appointment is? 2.30. Okay. Um, it looks like you might qualify for the foreclosure protection options. Most plans don't have that feature, even though it's a no-cost option. Uh, make sure I go over that to make sure that you qualify. Uh, I'll talk to you at 2, 2.30. Now, I am booked solid today, so if I'm a few minutes late, have mercy on me, I'll call you as close to 2.30 as possible. See, now what we've done is we've done the same thing. We're verifying that they're going to keep it. We were able to weave in there that we're busy so that for a couple minutes late, we had their permission to call them a couple minutes late, but we've conveyed we're busy. A lot of people are doing this, but this is all about them because the foreclosure protection is something that protects them rather than something that just keeps an appointment for us. So if we can make it all about them and not about us, but still convey we're busy, guys, that's a win-win-win for everybody. <laughs>